I can't tell if they're an obvious hacker. Uh huh. Because the numbers are reasonable, but still outrageous. Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 167 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast, Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I have dry eyeballs. I'm Sam and I'm the game artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is August Fishy Bait, Sinky Boat Lean. Mm. Before we get started, we have a warning. Oh, that's uh, August 28, 2018 for this. Yes. <laughs> okay. Obviously. That was incomprehensible for. Uh, before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show. There's going to be profanity, and we're going to talk about adult types of stuff mm-hmm. like business. So if you're a child, then go away or stick around and learn swears in business. Mm-hmm. It's kind of yep. up to you. All right. So this week is actually a day after yesterday's podcast. <laughs> Everything is confusing. So right we now. are pre-recording this because we're going to be at PAX for the next six days. For a while. But also we were at PAX when you listened to this for uh, the last no. six days. When you listen to this, we will have just gotten back from PAX. That's what I mean. We were at PAX. So just like how past. yesterday to, yes, and yet last week's I podcast. think I think they get it, you know? Anyway, this is pre-recorded, yep. uh, and so we don't have any news because we already talked about the news in the most recent episode. Also, we don't know what has happened yet. We don't know what has happened, so instead of our normal wild speculation, uh, we're going to just go ahead and get right into listener questions. It's going to be a listener question episode. Yeah. Uh, so these questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. That's all I have to say about that. Let's get started. Mm-hmm. All right. First question uh, comes from CDC Moly. This is actually not a question. This is a compliment. So brace your brace your humbleness. Wait, is this the Center for Disease Control? Yeah. Mm. CDC Mully says, hey, B-bros, every couple of months at work, we have to give a little presentation in a morning meeting for the whole building. I had just listened to your podcast where you talked about maximizing and satisfying, and I've been working on that in my day-to-day. So I spoke on that for my presentation on Tuesday. Thanks for everything you guys do. Mm. Keep it up. Did it go well? Nice. That's my question. He just did it. He just did it. Right. You know, he satisfied the presentation. <laughs> he satisfied in this question too. He, yeah, he you thought, know? I can't make the perfect presentation, but I can I can make a, a one. Mm-hmm. I can make one. <laughs> I believe we also – I believe we followed up that episode the next week where we then argued a little bit about what – what we meant by satisficing. Yes. And so now I'm curious, did did he listen did to you the listen follow-up? to the follow-up before mm. putting this presentation together? And if you didn't and then did listen to it afterwards, were you horrified? Yeah, what are you what, are you, what just I, I would like a follow-up. <laughs> I need more details. Give us more information. Although there is a character limit on those on those questions. That's true, but it is higher now. So I don't know go. how high, but higher. All right. Well, CDC Molly, get back in there. Get back in there and give us a follow up. Yep. We'll see what and we want to know. People want to know. Did it go perfectly or did it just go acceptably well? Uh, all right. Both first, first question comes from Roland77. You are all very positive and passionate people, and a lot of your messages are about getting the most out of life. A lot of people use video games to escape life and delete time. How do you feel about the possibility? that people are using your video games to escape life at the cost of engaging with life and with themselves. So I think we've talked about this before, but we actually harvest the time uh-huh. created by the video games uh-huh. for our Like vampires. Yeah, we're time vampires. Yeah. So I feel personally fantastic about it. I feel very healthy and, and youthful. Yes. And I feel super unhealthy, but imagine how it would feel if we weren't If we this. weren't stealing souls. Adam yeah. would be aging I would be so rapidly. a wrinkly husk. Yeah. <laughs> so... No, I think uh, we've actually talked about this internally a bit, and I think this goes back to 
I don't remember if it was yesterday or last week, something we talked about, about why make games, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and while it certainly is true that people use them for escapism to a degree or even to a large degree, uh, sometimes you do need to escape from things. Just yeah. as sort of a general fact. Well, well, not only that, but I think you I, – I believe that you, know, you could say the same thing about any – any anything media, anything really. that's a, a simulation, whether it's tennis, whether it's watching the latest superhero movie, whether well, it's running a marathon. Honestly, I mean, we've talked about this before, but even uh, the news nowadays being a form of entertainment for people, whether or not you view it as such, the reality is- Weirdly, a, the news is an escape from reality. <laughs> uh, because <laughs> no, it's, it's an escape from your current local problems in a very real sense, right? So if you're keeping up on all of the just general insanity that's going on every single day- uh, to a large degree, you're kind of you're kind of treading Although, water. Although, then this begs a question: What is reality? Because it kind of sounds like everything is an escape from reality. Mm, well, yeah, reality is when you're just alone with your thoughts and realizing I'm gonna I'm gonna die soon, <laughs> <laughs> and my impact will have meant nothing to mm-hmm. the grander universe. Okay, so no matter what you do, so maybe that's reality. Maybe that's what that's that's reality. Pure, in its unadulterated form. reality. It's pretty it's dark. dark. So anything you I like do, how this question started. Like, <laughs> you're pretty positive people. We're like, it's just because we know we're going to die. Real well, we hard. have this. There's a there's a great – what's that weird YouTube channel where they talk about philosophy? Curse of Gats. Yeah. So they had this great episode about – I don't know what you just said. Exactly. No this, one does. This episode about optimistic nihilism. Yes. Where you are both recognizing that nothing really matters that much and – you know, you were dead a lot longer than you've been alive, and that's going to also be true in the future, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and even the things that are super important that you do now will basically be forgotten within like a generation. Yeah. If you're lucky, you got maybe like a hundred years of sort of some form of stardom, you know? Yeah. And if you think about like all the people who who you could list of like, oh, these are people are super important. And have made a huge impact on the world. I bet almost all of them are within the last couple hundred years. Yeah. Even though people have been around for hundreds of thousands of years, yeah. right? And so, you know, just don't worry about it. Well, so the, the, the thing with optimistic nihilism, so nihilism is just that, which is like nothing matters. The optimistic part is because nothing matters, you're free. You're free. Yeah. You're free you to can, do whatever you want. And it's going to be good because you can just make it super good and you can concentrate on your local – sphere of impact, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of what this comes down to. So uh, escaping- yeah, you can take it either in the demotivating or yes. the motivating. Well, we talk about this with knowledge too, right? Because if you, once you acknowledge that you can't know anything, then you can either be like, well, fuck it. It's not even worth trying to learn or whatever. Or you can say, hell yeah. Now like just, I can just go explore the universe and not worry about whether I'm right or wrong. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm just always wrong. And so my, my goal is just to <laughs> be slightly more to, right. It's to be slightly more right. Now I get to have an <laughs> attitude where it's just fine. To be wrong, not mm-hmm. on purpose, obviously, but find me wrong because you have no choice, and just ex- you know, just try to be more right over time. Well, so tying this back and to you take joy in the journey, exactly. Yeah. So what is what does this mean as far as how do you feel about what we do being a thing that people use to you know like I said escape from reality or to you know pad their time? I period. think as long as we don't intentionally trap people in the stuff that we make. Mm-hmm. As in using gamb- like straight up gambling mechanics and that sort of thing, right? To siphon their bank accounts and yep. everything else. Yeah, as long as we don't do that kind of stuff so that people are truly kind of opting into the experience and then only engaging with it because they're getting something valuable to them out of it mm-hmm. uh, instead of us uh, sort of hijacking a, a, th- a thing that does truly just burn somebody else's time. Um, then I feel perfectly fine about what we're doing mm-hmm. because then people people get to opt in. Um and and I think it just is true that it's not even 
this whole idea of like es- escaping versus not escaping or whatever. It's just, you know, we're all just doing stuff. Yeah. You, and you, you actually have quite a bit of time on your hands. Yeah. That's the, the strange part about it. The fair question to always ask when you're doing stuff is just, why am I doing this stuff? Mm-hmm. You know? And so same deal with video games, same deal with playing a sport, same deal with going out and hanging out with friends, right? Uh, if you're if you're doing any of those things because you're trying to escape yourself, yes, then you know, maybe you need to work on yourself a bit. You know, well, I think that's the interesting thing when you're ready, the, when you're ready, when yeah. you're ready to with games is that uh, especially growing up. I mean, this is the case for us. Like you know, we've talked about this before, but but kids and teenagers in particular are not given much of an opportunity to actually have something to do that's important, yeah, or that feels like it has some impact. Nobody's going to trust a, a teenager. With anything super big. Right. And so as a result, there's this huge void actually because people want meaningful stuff to do literally as soon as they're able to do stuff. So basically when you're like seven or eight, you start wanting to contribute in some way. Um, and so I think it's the case that when you're devoid of that, then you you, you have to find something to fill the gap. And I think it's people actually want, People want pride and respect. Right. Yeah. I think it's interesting, at least for me personally, because the video game experiences that I had growing up um, were – these interesting things where they sort of modeled what I wanted my day-to-day to feel like generally once I was an adult, if that makes sense. Yeah, so, so like you wanted like, to be a wizard and you wanted yeah, to Yeah, I wanted to shoot fireballs. lots of siphon creatures, all that Just stuff. all sorts of stuff. Yeah, yeah. and so, you, want, you also want to be the person where you just, you just literally, you just appear in a town mm-hmm. somewhere and they're like, oh my God, thank you so much you for being arrived. here. Yep. Your presence really matters to mm-hmm. our our, our like, humble village. Our humble village, because these fire sorcerers are siphoning our souls. Yeah. <laughs> and since you can shoot fire out of your hands, you know only you can deal with this. Well, I, I mean right. it in the sense that that uh, that when you so when you hop into a video game, it's designed to produce certain feelings. One of which is we've talked about is, is pride, and also just the general sense of skill mastery. Right. So then you know later in life as an adult, when I'm able to structure my time and also choose those activities that might actually have an impact. Uh, I like to pick things that feel very similar actually to those sorts of things. So, you know, we have our Trello system where we have all of our cards in there and it's, it's really fun to, it's like a quest log. You think about it like that. It's like, just yeah. like a quest log. Same thing with all of your, you know, tasks and stuff at home, whatever else. And so you can take this sort of video game bent to your life in general and say, okay, these, these aren't just a waste of time. They're actually giving me essentially a model that I can then build my own reality on top of. In a yes. Really good way. So you're recommending gamification? Yes. Which well, is no. All the rage. Actually, no. It was all the rage last year, and then everybody forgot about well, it. Now it's blockchain. Now it's blockchain. It's made. It's it's less gamification, more just recognizing that that a, a well designed life is really what you're after. And like video games are this little tiny piece of that. Yeah. Where they're, they're well designed and carefully controlled. Yes. Yeah. And being able to create a life that feels similar to that, where you say, I I have. I've thought of the path to get from A to Z and I know what the reward's going to be. I know sort of what this is going to look like. And then being able to kind of break that up into a bunch of sub quests, you know, and then so this, along with this, this reminds me of um, uh, this American life had an episode on superheroes mm. and they're like, you know, what is it that makes somebody a superhero? You know, cause there's always like mutant spiders, you know, and crap like that. Yeah. Gamma rays. Gamma radiation, which does not give you cancer and kill you. Just turns just you turns you. The Hulk, Hulk where yeah. you summon mass. Well, I think if it doesn't kill you, then it turns you into the Hulk. Mm. It's one or the other sort of. Yeah. Scenario. So we've never. Because everybody was very surprised. They're like, "How did you live through this?" And then, you know, and he's like, "Well, I became the Hulk, and that was that was how I did it. That was yep. how I did it. That's yeah. how I. That's just how. We, that's just <laughs> that's one. Pretty, that's just one strategy yeah. that you can use. It's a pretty good strategy. Um, so, so they interviewed this this woman who, uh, when she was like twelve, she had this sort of dream. She had these recurring dreams of herself, 
like fighting villains and stuff in jungles and, and whatever. Mm. Her name was Zora, which is awesome. And then it's like Zoro. And she decided that she was going to model her life at like age 12. She decided she was going to model her life after what she envisioned a superhero would do. Mm. So she made a list of all the skills that she would need in order to be like a fully fledged superhero, including things like hand-to-hand combat, rock climbing, piloting helicopters, throwing stars, you know, like <laughs> literally all these things. And she did all of them. By the time she was in her mid twenties, she was like, I, you know, speak four different languages and like all this. I could strike a, a fly from across the room with a pencil. Like, yeah. <laughs> just- and so, but, it, but literally all it was is she just made a list and then, and then she, so she, she got like a notebook, right? And then in the back page of the notebook, she made the list of all the skills. And then every, every day she would, just work on keep a journal basically mm-hmm. of her progress, like a quest log, keep a journal of her progress toward those skills. And so yeah, from the age of 12 to like 25, she mastered every superhero skill that you see deployed in like Batman. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> so. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, I, I met a spectacular. <laughs> I met a person at, uh, at one of these games conferences we were at. He's actually like a sales rep for one of the uh, like VFX studios. And she and I got to talking and she revealed that she had gone on a quest to become an Amazon over the course of a year. It was the same sort of thing where she was mm-hmm. like, what would the skills be that an Amazon has? So she learned how to shoot a bow. Uh-huh. Uh, I think she learned how to like dress game after like, after oh, like how to killing, hunt. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, worked on her stealth skills, which by that she meant she would tell friends to meet her somewhere and then try to Sneak. scare the shit out of her. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, it, and then she just had like a little blog about it where she sort of chronicled the experience. But yeah, the, I mean, you could tell the way she was talking about it that it was such like a, such an active way to be living, right? Yeah. Where you you have a few of these things you're just trying to figure out how to do. But and and the way that it was described in this uh this Zora story was she was she's she talked about it as, as having a personal mythology that mm. she was trying to aspire to, right? So like if you if you created a myth about like what your ideal life would be in this kind of like magical terms and then just think how would I get even like 3% of the way there? You know what would that right. look like? Uh so, you know, I don't know. It, it, but that that does kind of remind me of the idea of you know you've got your quest log you've got your yeah. missions. Um, the, the trouble is these are all self generated, yes. and just as easily as you can generate them yourselves, you can also just throw them away mm-hmm. yourself. Uh, so yeah, having some having someone or a game system hold you accountable for stuff is very handy. But uh, yeah, yeah I, I think it's the case that you you can use games as a model for what you want to do, um, and that's why I feel perfectly fine about it because also we've gotten plenty of notes from people who said something along the lines of. Either, oh, this helped me escape at a very important time where I, I did not need to just be fully conscious and aware of all of the horrible stuff that was happening to me for some period of time. And there's also been people who have sent us notes about this sort of modeler, the, some sort of modeling-esque behavior that they ended up pulling from a game of ours. So uh, they're not just for escaping, I guess. At the end but even if they it's are. Pa- it's part of reality that you it's can part of, It's part of your reality. But even, yeah. even if they are mostly used to, to escape, you also have to ask the question, you know, is, is it causing harm by doing it? Because the implication would have to be that if only video games didn't exist, the people who are escaping with them would be doing something entirely different with their time. Well, they would be forced, better yeah, or they, more real or whatever, uh, which I think is horseshit. Yes. So, <laughs> yeah. People will escape into anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I've actually – I've known a lot of people with – who I've met playing World of Warcraft mm-hmm. who previously had – um, big uh, like drug problems or they would go out to bars every night or whatever. Mm. And then once they started playing WoW, then their 
playing video games every night instead, which is, you know, it's not going to a little bit better. It's not going to kill them as fast. They're not going to end up in a, like a, you know, treatment center or something like that. So, you know, it's maybe a net positive. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right. Next question comes from the ugly turnip. Why shouldn't I tip you? Why should you not? So I like, I like this question because the implication is that, I mean, yeah, you should. And then I the mean, turnip is like, and he's he's like about to do it. He's like, he just, convince me not to, because yeah. I'm doing it. <laughs> so let's. All right, why should you not tip? Why should and by you tip, we're tip? referring to going to moneygrab.bscotch.net and giving us money to help support the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yes, which, as we've discussed, this podcast is a money grab. Yes, which is why the URL is moneygrab.bscotch.net. Mm-hmm. That's why we spent 167 hours now sitting in here. Making like 12 cents an hour. Yep. So now that we've done that. Have we made that much? Probably not. (laughs) (laughs) So now that we've done that, Mm -hmm. why should people not give us money? (laughs) You know, I think it's the case that – Well, I think for starters, mm -hmm. I mean, we're going to keep doing this no matter what. That's true. So you get to free ride, you know? That's true. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whether you you tip us makes no difference. Mm -hmm. Well, you want to talk about, you know, living a life that makes no impact also. Uh, who wants to be responsible for anything? You don't want to yeah. throw money at something because then what happens if it goes away? You know, I mean, what if you tip us, right? And then, like ten episodes from now, we reveal that we have all kinds of horrible, horrible ideas about mm-hmm. the world. Yeah, and, and you're, you're like, like, I now, should. Now you're responsible. For yeah, that. yeah, you can. You made that happen. You, <laughs> yeah, yep. with your dollar, probably. You're like, I shouldn't have done. I shouldn't mm-hmm. have did that. I think also, you know, if you find people whose work that that you love and, but you can get it for free. Then why would you pay? You know, why would you why do, would that? You do why that? Why would you support the things you care about? It's not about? like yeah. they need to eat, <laughs> yeah. you know, or keep lights on or buy these fancy mics so that you don't complain when we're yeah. talking in, in a podcast. Yep. I mean, really, if people aren't, aren't doing the things or aren't doing things just for the love and joy of doing them, I mean, really, if you give them money or dirtying, you've, you've corrupted it. Process. You know, it turns into a transaction. Yeah, yeah, which is transactions gross. are gross because it's so money. There's because, because, because money. of money, <laughs> right. money involved. Yeah, I think money is power and power corrupts. I think we've exactly. all, you there know, we go. That's right. No, all there we go. There. Okay. The more um, money you give us, the more corrupted we get. There. Yeah. Done. So there's a there's just a huge laundry list of reasons not to not to support this podcast. Mm-hmm. All right. Next yep. question. I am K. If you are if you if you choose to defy all those really good reasons, you should go to mm-hmm. moneygrab.bscotch.net. Yeah. A little corruption in your yeah. day-to-day. You know? I feel a like a little corruption in you. I feel like yeah. maybe maybe if, if a little bit of corruption is fine. Keep it, yeah, you know, it's like, a little edgy. You know? yeah, actually, it's sort of any, like, it's just like, boring. Yeah, it's like the garnish, you know? Like yeah. you make mm-hmm. – you got to get a good steak and then they throw that little like little piece of green mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, yeah. You know? A little, a little, the little thingy. A little spring. A, a micro green, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Also known as meal corruption. Yeah. That's when they throw the garnish on the top. So yeah. corruption is the spice of life, is essentially. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So actually, so really it's a fine balance. But as with all spices, you don't want to just eat it no. wholesale. Because then if you, yeah. then you it's like the cinnamon it. challenge, you know, like yeah. you just take a bunch of corruption, put, you're just going to be coughing if you put that in your right. mouth, you know? So yeah. I guess, so I guess, and the answer really is you shouldn't tip us because. You enjoy super wholesome, very bland uh, podcasts. Yes. With, and that's corruption you, free. Corruption free. And that's yeah. how you want it. And if that's how you want it, do not then tip. preventing us from being corrupted at all is the mechanism by which you would do that. Yep. Yeah. And in fact, you should probably start a campaign to make sure other people do the same. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Uh, all right. Also known as a protest or a boycott, I guess. So, yes. Yeah. All right. Next question comes from I am Cade. 
Do any of you play D&D? Have you ever thought about doing a role-playing board game in the Crashlands universe? Well, we, I have played D&D on two occasions. I have played it mayhaps four times. Same. My character was Klepsi, who was a thief who didn't actually want to steal things, but his one of his middle, like his middle finger on his right hand had been possessed by a demon. And it was really long. And it was really long, and it <laughs> would just like try to get stuff. <laughs> So he would just be talking to someone, and then his hand would kind of go over there, and his fingers kind of like, <laughs> like sniff it around. Finger. Yeah, yeah. I think a, we recounted <laughs> we recounted our studio D and D event on a long, long time ago, a hundred episodes ago. Yeah, we did talk about doing some sort of a uh, woe and ope yes. Scotch universe. Well, we had uh, I think Quantum Anomaly game. was it mm-hmm. uh, who came up to visit us actually in St. Louis and brought a Go Fish board game. Card game thing card that he'd game. made of in the Crashlands universe, which was awesome. Um, and it was based on the the fish from Crashlands. So it was Crashlands fishing. Yep. The card game. Yeah. It was amazing. So uh we <laughs> what's good. <laughs> we've so we've seen a few of these where they uh whether it's fan made or even just some random ideas where they've been kind of cool. But yeah, the, the problem with board games is they are physical, so they require inventory. Well, role playing games don't. That's true. So we just did like D and you know D and D stuff. That's true. We could just sell a, a PDF on the on the itch. Yep. But that would mean we'd have to still make it. So there's that, you know there's yep. that extra small mm-hmm. cost there. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the bigger cost is really planning it all out. You know. Yeah, I think the problem with all these things is is we are very much like a laser in that we can do one thing very intensely. Yep. And then we and nothing and else. Basically nothing else. Sort of collectively as mm-hmm. a group. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, each of us, each of us has a handful of other responsibilities, but yeah, but we mostly do them because we have to, yes. yes, to stay alive and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So I think if we, if we wanted to do something like that, I feel like we'd have to do that as a, like in between bigger video game projects yes, or something. Yes, we'd have to decide to do it and then deploy our full lobes upon it. Yeah. Until it but was what done. would end up happening then is it would become a whole thing. And then we'd make a video happens. game out of it. It would, yep. it would take six years to make. Yep. A new it would website be three, 3,000 pages. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Who has the time? <laughs> Although it could be, could be a fun exercise, you know, post, post level head for a, for some sort of just a, a little break mental, not a break exactly, but uh, a distancing and changing of frame, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like it would really help me to forget a lot of things about programming. That's also you know, true. during that time. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. to kind of like block that out. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe someday. Someday. Pro- probably not, but maybe someday. Mm-hmm. Probably not, though. But probably not. All right, next question comes from <laughs> Dr. Dino. Hello, Birders. Are you planning on doing season two of the Game Dev documentary? Season one was really good. And yeah, just get in there. Cool. Yeah, so we didn't make that. Yeah, so this is, a, this is a common misconception mm-hmm. that we've been trying to get out from under, which is that's not ours. Yeah, so Forever, <laughs> Forever and Astronaut is the uh, the media company that made that. And they're actually down the street from us now, now that we're yep. in our new office. And they're working on a bunch of new stuff. I know they just had a short that they made that's about like a, like a friend of a girl who becomes a robot, like mech creature yep. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that age-old tale. Mm-hmm. A tale of love. Yeah, so they uh, – <laughs> They're doing all sorts of other cool stuff these days. Um, and I know they pitched they pitched a season two of of the Dev Diary thing a few times. I'm not sure exactly what sort of has come up with it, but but I know that they're they're actively doing a bunch of their own things. So we're not the ones who made it. That said, we did talk about uh, potentially figuring out something as far as like a little mini a mini mentry mm-hmm. do- documentary, Do- a mini documentary, documentary. Mm-hmm. documentary. 
Yeah. Uh, which would be following the launch of Levelhead because that is sort of the most intense window, the intense couple of days there around launch. And it's also like very fraught with emotions and stuff because, you know, it's in this case, year of work. Is it going to actually be worth it or does no one care? Yeah. Um, well, honestly, you know, even with the crash in his documentary, they, they came about three quarters of the way through development. Yeah. Because at that time you do have a story to tell. Yes. Right. Cause any, anybody can start a project. That's not an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it, it really, like, like Sam was saying, it, it gets interesting as it nears the sort of, the, the, yeah, the climactic finale, right. uh, which is the launch. But also the story for Crash Lands was a lot more of a personal story because of all the right. the cancer shit that, that Sam was dealing with and that then we were all dealing with. Yeah. yeah it's more, more just like, everyone's fine. Everyone's fine and we're making this game. And we're making yep. this game. We're trying to um, do it good. Yeah, and we're having a, <laughs> we're having a good time, um, but I don't know if that's... That that sort of aspect of the sort of compelling personal drama right now is completely absent for anything like a sequel, mm-hmm. um, and that was that was really actually the core thing about that original story. Well, and I think we would probably be. I, I still feel like an underdog in the sense yeah. that compared to a lot of other games and studios, we are tiny tiny tater tots. It also just still feels like most people don't know or care. Which yeah, I think yeah. it, until that balance shifts, then I'm always just going to well, feel like Well, but we've reached that interesting middle ground where we, you know, we have done some successful stuff, um, but compared to a lot of other, you know, Indie, a lot of other companies. We even other indies. We're still just like bottom of the barrel. Yeah, and it's like know? when we go to GDC, we walk, we walk around with our butterscotch shirts and maybe like one in, I don't know, 30 or 40 people mm-hmm. maybe knows any one of our games, right? right? Um, or, or, or we have to remind them. You know, so, mm-hmm. so or they call it crash landers, crash. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just stabs you in the heart a little bit. Yeah. Know? There's like and a like, people. Yeah. So even, even at like industry events with 30,000 other developers, mm-hmm. you know, we struggle to find these like people who are really in the industry, you mm-hmm. know, which is fair though, because I know very few other developers. Oh yeah. It's totally games. fair. But the whole yeah. point is that there's a, there's, a, there's these different runs. There's echelons of yeah. success. Yeah. And, we're, and still, we're still pretty low. Right. Because yeah. there are companies that everybody knows. Yes. Right. And we're not, we are not one of those companies. Absolutely not. Yes. Uh, so, you know, yeah, as, as far as then a documentary goes, you know, we could make the thing or we could basically we'd pay somebody to, to come in and do interviews and, and make this kind of a thing. Um, but we don't know really what the angle Why? would be. Yeah. Yeah. But it might also just be interesting because it's actually one of the, the prime benefits of having that Crashlands documentary sort of in the background is because I haven't looked at it probably in the last year or so, but I remember I watched it. I think like a year and a half after the whole thing was done. And it was very – because I forgot most things because like all of us forget most things. Like yeah. We've talked about kind of living in dog time a little bit where yesterday didn't exist and today feels like seven years and that sort of thing. Right. So <laughs> um, it was actually really nice just to have it almost more like a uh, historical yeah. piece, like a snapshot. It's a time capsule. It's a little time capsule. So yeah, that's probably the approach we would take. So I, I mean, yeah, I would want to do it just for my own – Yeah. Even if nobody else wants to watch it, it's like a scrapbook. Yeah, right. But I don't have to cut clip <laughs> right. and put together. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's a good man. Maybe we should look mm-hmm. into that. Might be fun. And since we're since we're kind of nearing the stage of level head, uh, which is about kind of where we were when we yeah. started the questions documentary, then we actually have some interesting things starting to happen. Um, public information now about the game where we mm-hmm. aren't trying to keep everything under wraps. So yeah, that yeah. could be that could be interesting. Let's look into that, mm-hmm. Adam. Yep, I'm doing it right now. Right. <laughs> uh, next question comes from 
uh, Coffee Chemist. Hey, B-Scotch Bros. I know you guys have given plenty of statistics in the past and would love to hear some more. What percentiles of the B-Scotch community has each uh, 10th level on B-Scotch ID, I think reached 10th level, uh, how many people have beaten hardcore crash lands on each difficulty and how many deaths does the player with the most deaths have? Wow. So before we started this episode, I just I just went into the database just to like scrape out a few numbers. You and scrape got, the, they're, they're like on the walls. Yeah, you, you gotta, gotta kind of scoop them up. That's the yeah. shitty thing about uh, statistics is they're, they're very gooey. They're very gooey and sticky, yeah. and you gotta really get in there with like a spoon. Yeah, it's really you gross. Get, you gotta actually. wash. You gotta off. scrape them. Mm-hmm. It's the whole thing. It's the whole thing. Took him. It took Adam all morning before yeah, this podcast. I, I was at it for like five minutes. But so data scientists have all that. <laughs> they get tons of hazard pay. They wear hazmat suits when they go into yeah. a database because it's just like it's like going into a bee colony. Yeah, yeah. but with sticky stuff. In the mainframe, mm-hmm. they gotta yeah. get in there. Yeah, the mainframe is an actual place that's covered in goo. Real gross. Yeah, yeah, people don't really often talk about that, but there is only one mainframe. Yeah, mm-hmm. we just all have to. Sort of rent space. Yeah, and every every sort of uh, web admin or whatever yep. you people call yourselves, yep. uh, they got to mm-hmm. go. They got to make trips over there. Yeah, the internet is actually just a bunch of tubes coming out of a the bunch main of tubes frame. coming out of the mainframe. It's frame. like Stranger Things. It's like, don't you have to, <laughs> you have to step through <laughs> yeah, like you, a really pulsating? You have to gross. go into the upside down. And yeah, it's yeah. and then it's just 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 stats, just all. And then there's gross. weird slugs coming out of your nose. Yep. You know, but that's where that's that's why web people get the big bucks. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's that hazard pay. Yep. yep. So anyway, so you, you find? so you scraped up some so, goo. Yeah, so in the mainframe, I just like I just went and picked some goo off the off the mm-hmm. the, goo the goo tree, tree. Yeah. yeah, the data globules. Um, and I got kind of distracted. So I was going to kind of answer some of these questions, um, but I got distracted by the last one, in part because that was the easiest one to answer. So I just kind of went in, went in there, and so it's it's actually the only one I'm going to answer hmm. because it's also kind of interesting. Uh, so people are really into leaderboards and stats, trying to figure out what their players are doing. Mm-hmm. Right. The problem is that. That your players are liars. Yes. You know, um, for basically two reasons. One, well, one is, is their people. One is their people. Actually, Correct. that's the only reason. Yeah. But, the, <laughs> but the thing that they do is they like to have more stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the top of any leaderboard, uh, except in the most like DRM riddled games in the universe, outside of those, the top of any leaderboard is just people who are cheating. Yes. Uh, and that's true. with our own. So, so we don't even have leaderboards except for like the ones between friends. So there's, there's no point. In hacking it. it, yeah, uh, and yet people do right. So, uh, so this always makes for an interesting question. When you want to answer something about like what are our players doing in the game, you have to somehow first get around the question of how is what I think they're doing based on these numbers being confused by the fact that that a, a substantial fraction are cheating, especially doing things like averages and whatever, because the cheaters are like jacking up values enormously mm-hmm. or pushing them way way down. So I wish I went in. I was like, okay, what's what's the top number of deaths of players right in Crashlands? And no one will be surprised that the top numbers are all just the max integer value for mm-hmm. uh, for that column, which is 65,000, whatever that max mm-hmm. you know, value is. Because people are like, I want to be known as the person who died the most. Who yep. died 65,000 times. <laughs> it's a very strange – it's yep. a strange quest. People – like we talked about earlier, people just want to be they noticed. Just, they mm-hmm. just want to have the biggest numbers. They mm-hmm. want those numbers. And so there were a handful of those, but, but so I just looked at the top 20. And the top 20 had – so the top of them were like 60 that, – that, the top two were those max integer values. The next ones were like still 60,000. There was like 30. So it dropped very, very quickly. Um, but the top 10 were still all above uh, like 10,000. Um, but the, but the question is once, once you're not at the max integer value, then you have to ask the question because, because people just submit big values. They like try to put the biggest value on they can. This is why one of the, the most obvious hallmarks of a cheater or a hacker 
is just a max integer value yeah. because they just like put in an enormous number and they got stuck, right? But the ones that are less than that max number, now you have to answer the question, is this a cheater or did they just like play a fuck ton of this game, mm-hmm. right? So so then I have to so then you have to ask, okay, how would I know, right? And what what could what evidence could I have for this? And so the next thing I looked at was if I look at that same ranked list, but now also look at the deaths per minute of those mm-hmm. users. Uh, so basically looking at their playtime too, uh, and then compare that to kind of like what the overall population is doing. Because you know, players shouldn't be dying an outrageous no. number of times. So then in that case, now the top the person with the top number of deaths had only played for three hours. So, you know, that kind of, so either, so they had something like 3000 deaths per minute or something. Yeah. Crazy yeah. Like so either they're just somehow really bad at crashing multiple times per second. Yeah. Die, they're dying like a machine gun. They're <laughs> yeah. just like, I am so bad. <laughs> Every time I respawn, I die 93 times. Yeah. So it's that crazy. was, that was not likely to be true, right? Mm-hmm. It's not likely, but that was the easy case. There were a few easy cases where it's just very obviously not correct, but now I have to answer the question like, okay, what's a reasonable death rate? Right. Right. And so basically from looking at other people's numbers and stuff, I was like, okay, it looks like maybe something like, Oh, a death every like five minutes is probably like a reasonable kind of right because this is an average over your entire gameplay, right? Which means that yeah, people who are new to the game and are playing early in a save, they don't have any armor, they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, they might die even like once a minute. Well, plus actually, if you're playing on challenge or ludicrous mode, because if you get if you get breathed on, it's very easy. by a creature, then you die. Yeah, but so, it, but it yeah. takes about a minute to just like die and then respawn. But yeah, you got to right find now. something that's going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it just yeah. takes some time. So I figured if, if anyone's dying more than once a minute, then that's almost definitely something okay. happening. So, so, so I was go- basically going through this game to try to figure it out. So the best I could come up with was that the 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 top person who I can't tell if they're a, a, an obvious hacker. Uh-huh. Because the numbers are reasonable, but still outrageous. In <laughs> uh, that, that the, it's right on that line. Yeah, well, as in they're correlated with each other, right? Because right. somebody could also hack all the numbers and, then, and and hack them just right so that they still all seem to fly under the radar, proportionally reasonable. You it know, seems like too. Um, but nobody does that intentionally, yeah. right? They just want the biggest numbers. So, so this is my rationale. Trying to well, find that, that is true. That hacking. is a hallmark of hacking is is hackers will pick one thing. Yeah. So we'll be like, okay. They've got 33,000 healing potions. Yeah. And that's the one thing that they yeah. did, right? Yeah. And so and – no, and nothing else about their save, including playtime or anything, would imply that that was a feasible thing that they yeah. did. Right? Well, yeah. In fact, when we're when – we're back, back when we had to do a lot of support stuff for Crashlands, we would pull down people's saves, try to figure out what the hell was going on. The The hallmark we would look for was they would have no health health potions mm-hmm. of any kind in their, in their hot bar, but would have an enormous number of bombs. Yep. And that was just like such a perfect signature right. of a hacker. Because right? they are doing something to give themselves God mode or whatever. Yep. And infinite bombs. Yep. Right. So so it is – which is all to say it is possible. Hackers are not subtle. No. Because <laughs> why would they be, right? Yeah. They, they, they're don't not, have, they don't have a real goal. Not, just, what'd you find? So, not, what's the na- well, give me the answer. Uh, so so the, the most <laughs> – the, the top one that is possible uh-huh. as, as possibly being real had 3,300 deaths – over 750 hours of gameplay. 750? See, that's the thing, <laughs> is that's a lot of hours of gameplay, but all the other numbers that were in this person's uh, uh, stats were all like proportionally reasonable for that amount of time. That would be, I mean, let's see, it takes about 40 to 60 hours. Yeah. So it's like, 
20 playthroughs. Yeah. So a hacker isn't going to go, how are these numbers correlated? And let me amongst let, the normal population. Yeah. And let me just amp up all of my numbers right. uh, yep. to proportionally, not, and not to the maximum integer limit, but just to like a high number yep. and then elevate the rest of them to also somewhat match. Well, I have a question yeah. for you. Because so, this is supposed so it's possible, but not necessarily likely that this is real. I'd say I'd, I'd call it real. I'd say that's probably Well, this real. is supposedly data science, but what I just heard you doing, Adam, was guessing a whole bunch yeah but if you're if you're not guessing when you're doing data science you're doing it wrong so is it really data science or is it just data guessing uh science is just guessing so yes mm-hmm. yeah i mean really when you get science. into that when you get into the mainframe here's all the thing, there's off. nothing yeah. inherent there's, you, there's no magic you can do with numbers so that the thing that you get on the other side is an objective measurement of reality mm-hmm. there's there's no there that is that cannot ever be as soon as you've made a choice to, about what to measure or whatever yes else. and as soon as you had a way to measure it and as soon as as soon as as soon as a number came into existence that number actually has opinions about how it was formed so i heard right? a great quote about gdp yeah so gdp gross domestic product mm-hmm. is the number that is supposed to represent the health of an economy Right. And, and really it basically just comes down to the sum total of all the sort of end income that everybody made in an economy. Right. And, uh, and GDP is used for all kinds of analysis, all kinds of predictions, you know, whatever. Um, but it only measures one thing and that thing is very limited. And so I had this great quote about it, which was, um, when we talk about GDP, we think we are measuring what we observe. But really, we're just observing what we measure. Yes. Right. Mm. That is absolutely 100% correct. Yeah. And that's that's how science which, – which takes us back to a couple dozen minutes ago or whatever when we said you can't know anything. Right. Right. So so the, the hallmark of a really good data scientist or really good scientist in general is having a strong mental model about how the how, – just how the world works and how things are related to each other so that when they do go through their numbers – they know how to think about what those numbers mean and they know why – which ones they should be throwing away and why or reinterpreting or normalizing or something. Um, and of course, you can't do this in a sneaky way where you're like trying to get the, the, the answer you want, you want right? right? But it, it's all about trying to understand what your what your numbers mean so that you can interpret them relative to something you believe that you understand. Or to to discern whether or not you're missing something. Like you're missing yeah. some other numbers that would explain it, right? Because right? If, if what you've measured – so, for example, if you say, well, GDP is the most important measure of a nation's success, right? Yep. But then why would it be that the countries with the highest GDP also perform poorly in education or in health or in yep. happiness or mm-hmm. violence or any other conceivable metric? Right. Yeah. Right? Uh, which means when, it, when you have software that's trying to catch hackers, um, how advanced and complex that software has to be because it basically has to form – an opinion mm-hmm. um, based on all of the data about what things that aren't cheaters look like so that you can then see, see if somebody is an outlier. We have to, we also ask the question, how far do how you have to go out? from uh, being an outlier? Because they're also like, if you get a, because so we have uh, data points now for whatever it is, it's like 400,000 people for crash lands, right? So with that many people, for any given number you want, there's going to be an outlier and a pretty crazy one. Mm-hmm. And that makes identifying hackers very, very hard right? because – are they going or do they just love it? Or are they just an outlier, right? Yeah. Are they just that one person who just like for whatever reason had something they wanted to do and spent literally 12 hours like trying to defeat the same enemy right next to their base right. over and over and over again so they were actually able to die more than once per minute or mm-hmm. whatever, right, for hours. 
because when you get enough people, some fucking person did that. You know? <laughs> right. Yep. And and so that makes it very very hard uh, to to catch these things and figure out what's real and what's not. This is I and mean, this is a big problem in Levelhead that we're gonna we. I mean, we gotta yeah, figure because it out because we, we have leaderboards in Levelhead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every level that you publish, yep. Every other player in in the universe yep. can compete for score and time, mm-hmm. right? So, which basically, which honestly just means it's going to be hackers on the top of everything. Mm-hmm. That's just what's going to happen, which is a bummer. Um, That's why we got to figure out something. Yeah, the best. But this brings us back to the questions we've also talked about in the past. Like, how do you? Once you identify a hacker or a cheater or whatever, uh, what do you do? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of kind of like ghosting them in the sense, you know, you let them keep playing, but in a in a way that doesn't actually spill over into anybody right. else. So right. So basically, you'd probably stop uh, stop aligning them from posting high scores, right? right? Except now, of course, all these systems, because like the system that we have in place right now is very simple. You just you get a putative high score, you submit it to the server. The server's like, cool, this is higher. I'm going to keep it. Or mm-hmm. no, it's not. Go, but go the server thing. never goes. Is this unreasonably high? Well, it doesn't. It doesn't ask that question, and it doesn't ask an additional question, which is: Is this user who submitted this in a in a blacklist somewhere that says mm-hmm. they're not allowed to submit scores? Uh, because if we need that mechanism now, all of a sudden, every single request to check to do that has to first go through a blacklist and find out is somebody mm-hmm. in there. And as that blacklist grows, it becomes more and more costly every time we're trying to do the same simple action of just trying, you know, trying to post a high score. And so the cost of this basically makes it so that everybody's experience doing anything is now worse and slower. Our costs are higher and we have to store more shit in our database. Hooray! <laughs> Which is uh, – That's why it, I love the lazy devs thing. People are like, why don't you put leaderboards in your game, you lazy devs? And it's like – Because of you. Because of, of you cheaters. Well, it's just not quite – it's not as simple as as no. it would have first appeared, no, as most things are. Yeah, so. and so with that, what, it, what it really means is that once the game goes live, um, I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of analytics in the background trying to come up with a model that identifies cheaters. Right. And and it has to be – and then we have to come up with a, a punishment system that makes it so that we can err on the side of catching people who aren't cheaters. Because if we, if we let too many cheaters through, then it ruins everything, which means we actually have to err on the side of catching people who aren't cheaters. Well, and, and we can do more sophisticated stuff on the game side. Yeah. You know, where if you're if you're trying to send something off to the server through the game because you've hacked your game, then we can run some checks, you know, yeah. locally. And then we can also Which is true because like so Crashlands doesn't actually do any checks of any kind. So if mm-hmm. so if somebody goes in in memory and then says, I now have a thousand bombs by just changing some in memory value from ten to a thousand, right? Uh then Crashlands isn't doing doing anything to check for that. And it's right. not checking a save afterwards to like look for Weird characteristics stuff. of of people hacking their saves, right? Um, so there there are things that we can definitely do, but again, now these cost a bunch of dev time for Seth to implement them there, uh, and so but we we are going to have to do it because we want leaderboards. In yeah, them. and I mean this yeah. is this is always I mean there's uh, those articles about Overwatch, you know, yep. not just about cheating but about toxic player behavior and stuff, yep. and and it's just you know about half of your dev time if you're making a any game like a game with online components is going to go into trying to find ways to keep players from ruining other players. Yeah, we've even been games. entertaining the idea of not allowing players to have custom names for their levels. Mm-hmm. So we probably are going to allow that. Um, but the problem is so serious and we actually don't know what our solution is yet mm-hmm. that we are still entertaining and, and keeping as an option the possibility that we'll just provide a set of like symbols or a collection of or words. Or just a randomized word list, yeah. Or even just we will randomly name the level ourselves or something mm-hmm. like that uh, to to prevent people from just being asses, yeah. you know? All right. So people could maybe like hit a button to re, re-randomize the level name right. or something 
but because that way we can guarantee that it's not we might still make it because it turns out that any given culture like we found out one of one of our people testing the website with rumpus because you get a, you get a randomly assigned username in rumpus uh was a french person who got in their username the word uh, the word pigeon so they were like mm. something pigeon right and it turns out that in at least according to this person that pigeon is a horrible insult to <laughs> right. in France uh, as a horrible thing to call a person. Right. And I, and I, like, I went through the list cause I have all these animals in there. So I, like, I yeah, it's just like, like, it's, but it's just an animal. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, like, I got understand. rid of yeah, like, all the things that I know. Cause like, you know, in, in American culture, we have the same thing, right? Cause yeah, I got rid of like pig and like anything mm-hmm. that, that sort of is used to like sort mock a person's weight or something. Right. Uh, Although we do still have manatee. I got rid of that one. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, there were a few that I didn't think about the first time through. Right. And so then a few days ago, I went back through again mm-hmm. and like paired the list. Basically, back any up. farm animal, you want to take that out. Yeah. You want to just keep like majestic animals. Yes. Exactly. Eagles. Yep. Swans. And so Swan, basically but, birds. But think about how hard it is. Right. <laughs> so think about how hard it is to us to create just like a wholesome list of things that we can guarantee are going to not be offensive, right? This is literally just the names of animals. This is just <laughs> because people have ruined Everything. the names of animals. And, so, and now give full freedom to just all the people to just name things whatever they want. Yeah, and in languages that we don't speak. Exactly. And we can't so moderate. we can't even tell how offensive things are. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our options are basically we have to find some service we can hook things up to. To And I originally did have a, a profanity filter on the uh, username selection for, mm-hmm. for the new Rumpus system. Um, but it was too aggressive right. and also missed stuff because there's no way to have to, to have it not. So it was, both, just no so way, it right? was both too restrictive, but also not restrictive. Yeah, because like it included hell as a bad word, uh, which fine, whatever. I disagree, but it's just in there. I'm not going to fuck with it. Except yeah. that also, hello, hello, because it has hell in it <laughs> as a bad word now. And, you know, so they're right. And it doesn't, and it, and it handles like a very small fraction of leet speak versions of things. And people have spent decades now coming up with clever ways to use to put profanity in places like it's not supposed stop to stop the tide at you some know? point we're all just gonna have to agree that we can't stop this and we have to figure out well, some what other well and that, and that was that was again why we why we are seriously entertaining the idea of not allowing people to name stuff yeah i think now, i will say in the game that i'm developing on the twitch stream i came up with a random uh name generator for space stations mm-hmm. and it has come up with some hilariously spectacular because <laughs> I, I basically made a, an archive of sort of syllables yeah but that come in a, in a certain sequence and i kind of vetted them to make sure that they don't generate a sequence that creates yeah. you know a, a real word or a, a prof- profane word or whatever yep so we got some got some pretty good well, ones. Yeah, even yeah. even our so, so in rumpus you get a you get a random sequence of letters numbers as a user id you're mm-hmm. just like your permanent id right uh, and even that, I run through that that really that really out of control profanity filter. I run it through that because I'm like, I don't care if it thinks hell, hello is a bad word, right? Uh, because I want to make sure that somebody doesn't get assigned like you know, hell, fuck, or whatever as, <laughs> fuck. as just, their just, user just, ID. Just fuck. Just. But yeah, but the fact that we have to pay this close of attention to it, and then that our players could just ruin all of our careful work of of making a nice wholesome experience for people. Well, I think there's basically this question of what's the balance of proactivity and reactivity, right? Yeah. So I think we we don't want to be in the circumstance where we are just playing the reactive game also because it's a, it's a, a, actually a lot more work on it's our plate very costly. on the back end yeah. and so that's but but you also you do want people to be able to express themselves in some way yeah. uh, but ideally one that doesn't you know cause problems and so this is something we actually we talk about a lot in the yeah, studio you know especially what? with Levelhead because there's so much of sharing content I should I should look into that that name generator and see if I can co-opt it because yeah. I mean even the, I get names like like Duck Fuzz Cram Slap Institute or something <laughs> <laughs> this is like 
That's great. Yeah, because if, if, <laughs> if we had a really good random name generator that had a that had ended up with a huge selection yeah. of outcomes, but that people could re-roll. Right. But yeah. And if it's like so, somewhat incoherent, but kind of funny yeah. and has some kind of a vibe. Because yeah, the fact good. is that, yeah. that names don't actually mean much in the context of like naming a level anyway, right? Yeah. But, but we have the same problem with usernames too, right? Because because we show a username on mm-hmm. currently anyway. We show usernames in there and, and you can go on, on our website, you know, for the Rumpus website and you can change your username to whatever. Uh, currently, I've turned off the filter because it's too out of control and so right, right now people could technically put anything they want to. Uh, and so, so what do we do about that? Mm-hmm. Right, and we we again we entertain the same idea of just only showing the user ID, just that that random right. sequence of letters and numbers, and then just providing random names within like within the context of uh, of level head, right? Um, which we could do because we could use that as a seed to then like use another random name generator that gives you a random bureau of shipping, right? But then you don't have a circumstance where you can say, oh, do you follow such and such person? Oh, well, you still if the if the name was likely to be unique. And seeded from something. And seeded from that thing. Right. So you still so, could, but then, but now it's not a user choice, exactly. which now kind of sucks. So this is the this is where we have placed ourselves. <laughs> we did this by making to a UGC game. Yep. But we also Brutal. believe that you know, well, okay, what's the what's the benefit? Because well, because of why what? are we doing this? Why are we putting ourselves through this? It's because we believe that uh, by having the multiplayer component and having the ability to share things with your friends, play levels with your friends. Yeah, well, I think the, that the, it just blows the lid off the whole. Experience. Yeah, the connectivity is is the thing. We've yeah. always talked about. We want to make currently. I mean, Crashlands is certainly a, it's a good game, but it's not the sort of thing you can really get around with your friends or even with the community in some interesting ways. And yeah. so the idea here is to do uh, more of like the bonfire approach, where it's like let's build a thing that people can actually essentially hang out around and that's going to be true in a in a literal sense in terms of uh you know being on the switch because people yeah, can gather around, around the switch. it yeah yep. uh, which is going to be awesome or on steam if you playing co-op on steam so there's that and then there's the the sort of uh, asynchronous sense of that too which is if you share levels with friends or whatever else so like that is that is exactly what we want and we know that it's essentially one of those things where, like the beautiful thing about people is that is is the connections between them and also the horrifying thing about people <laughs> is the connection. Between. So yeah, and our our responsibility as the designers of this of this experience is to make it so that we we don't let the horrible part come through. Somehow we have to we have to truly well, as much as, much as possible because the truth is like you can't you can't well you not. can't yeah you can't have it not. But, but I think I think uh, if if your design includes the acknowledgement that this is a problem that you don't want, yes. Then I think the degree to which you can design against it, you, you have to give stuff up, right? Yeah. So, like you, you might have to give up letting letting users have full control over naming themselves or over naming the things that they create. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you still give them some sense of control, so again, like they can just they can keep on rerolling as much as they want until they find something they like, right? Because that means that now they have they have chosen this, they have created this, right. and and so there's still a sense of self expression there. Um, but yeah, because people have asked us before, like, "Hey, would you let us upload our own avatars?" It's like, no. fuck no, absolutely never. Not. We will never let anybody do that. Then it'll, it'll just be it'll just be penis and swastikas yeah. everywhere. And no, no, we're not <laughs> stop. We're not going to. Now we will it. be arrested. Yeah, because there will also be yeah. There, there's a fate. What Facebook employs like sixteen thousand people who moderate the images that people upload. That and this is just the images that get reported. Not yeah. not all the images, right? Yeah. Uh, and they and those people, those sixteen thousand people, have to uh, approve or disapprove one image every four seconds during their entire eight-hour shift of mostly offensive content. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The stuff yeah. that the, know, the, stuff the, that hum- the human cost to all of this is is just too high. Nice. And and you know, so well, the funny thing is, I mean, so Seth, even your the current random name generator we have for the levels 
is already pretty fun. Oh yeah, because I got I think last week I had one called the a balmy ruse. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and then I had another one that was a nefarious pillar, which just was like a good weird. Well, the nice thing about it is if if you're given those names from the outset when you go to make a level, it actually serves as inspiration for what your what your level. Right could be you know yeah and some of the a lot of the words that we currently have come from the biome that the level started with so like the jungle ones get like balmy and leafy Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and then the desert ones get you know like sandy and dry and scorching uh and then depending on the shape of the level you know if it's a taller level then you might get things like pillar or Uh, climb or whatever and if it's a long level you might get like you know jaunt or sprint or whatever so if it's yeah so it's well crafted it has to do a little bit with the content that's in there, uh, then it still it can still be a good thing. Yeah, we just don't want it to be the case that our jobs after level head are about removing knots of shit from. Yeah, you know what? We, we should really don't. Yeah, want to do that. we should maybe work on that level random name generator and just take just it down. Really that road. do it. Yeah. Okay, let's just do. Let's just do that. All three usernames. No, I, th- I think usernames are. I think we need to think more about that. In particular. I think it's exactly the same. It's problem. the same problem. But well, it is except for the different. fact that people can only have one username. But well, they can publish tons and tons of levels. Yep. Right. And that is true. So I don't know if that changes anything. I don't know. I mean, how, how <laughs> would you feel? Not. How would you feel if you logged into a service and they're like, your name is now Carrier Pigeon 667? Well, no, no, no. That's the wrong. It's all about framing, right? Because so, so you boot up your game, you make your character, right? Mm-hmm. So almost nobody names their character the same as like their Steam username. That's not a thing that people do, right? Sure. Um, I, some people, sure, fine. Uh, but usually you go into a game like so. I think like in Terraria, I've got like five characters all with completely random weird names, right? Mm-hmm. In in uh, uh, World of Warcraft, I've got Wadoopa Doop as my as my character, right? Which is a good one. Is a good. So I've actually used that in other ones too because I like <laughs> uh, But but if I had gone into those games and like and I was I was making my character and whatever, and I was like choosing a faction and choosing the stuff, and then I had to and then I just rolled a name because that way the name fit in with the universe I was in, mm-hmm. right? And then I was playing now as that character. Like it, it would all seem so consistent to me that I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be bothered by the fact that I didn't get to just choose whatever, whatever ass thing I want. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, it's about the framing and the consistency. So if we, if we, if we go into level head and like the first thing you see is a, is a character selection screen where you choose the kind of alien you are. Right. Uh, well, aliens don't just have like English names or just like the names of horrible Mm-hmm. profanities right so because they've all got their own cultures well there is that one and whatever. Uh, there's that one species of alien where everybody's name is john yeah but other than other than them <laughs> yes <laughs> and there's also that, that there's also that other alien species that were there in conflict and all of their names are just fuck john <laughs> yeah they all hate john they all hate each other so much yeah <laughs> so so which even could be a joke we could have an alien species where you just only can be named john or you know like so but the, but the point is that you, we could have a character selection process where we now like have all this lore and history and whatever. And if we have still a huge selection of names that come through random generation, um, where you can roll it, so you still get to, you still have I mean, a I sense of choice, right? In the context of Levelhead, but Levelhead uses your Rumpus. They use your Rumpus ID, number, but it yeah. doesn't need to use your Rumpus username because you can't look somebody up by Rumpus username anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's true. So like so. So, so somebody could choose a, a username on the website because, you know, once a person goes on to the actual internet in a browser, they know they're just – they're in Wild West territory mm-hmm. now, right? If somebody buys a game in the Nintendo eShop and then gets on to play it with their like three-year-old or whatever, There's right? a bunch of Nazis dicking around. Yeah, this is, this is a highly curated, <laughs> yep. you know, like wholesome ecosystem. This is also honestly like where I think our game should live is in that – super mm-hmm. you know the gleeful wholesome ecosystem space right uh and and so we can actually have we can separate these concepts out just fine where, where the user id is the thing that you carry around with you that's consistent through all of the things that we make 
but there's no reason why your username that you've selected on our website should appear in Levelhead and in Crashlands and, mm. and in some other game as the same thing because that only makes sense if those don't mean anything in the context of the game, right? Right. So if we want to just tie everything together and make it all consistent, then we can still get away with not letting people name themselves in the context. Sure. As long as as long as we got a good random generator yeah. that lets people guide it, you know, in certain right. ways, and, and still have a choice, a sense, some some sense of choice. That's true. So we got a lot of things to think about. Mm. Yeah. All right. Speaking of design, we got one more question. I think we get time for it. Yeah. Uh, which is about towel fight. Oh. Okay. Uh, this question Blast is from the past. This question is from a street sign. So I don't know how it's. They usually just tell you. They usually just declare things. This is a really elaborate street sign. Inquisitive sign. Uh, Yeah. So So it's probably not a stop sign. Yeah. I read this on one of my commutes yesterday, one of my four commutes on the street sign. So (laughs) the question is don't be like Valve and release Tau Fight 3 already. I know it's just sitting there on Sam's desk. (laughs) (laughs) How did he know? What would you change gameplay wise if you were to remake Tau Fight 2 today? We have talked about this. We've talked about this a lot. Uh, we've talked on about the podcast or just, just yeah, internally. Just, just, okay, yeah, um, I, I remember nothing. So, yeah, we've, yeah, we've talked about remastering Tal Fight in particular, as well as potentially Quadrupus. But the problem is that anytime we talk about remastering it, we, it's the opportunity. It cost just it. turns into a sequel. Yeah, discussion. it turns into a sequel, and then it's like, well, why are we do? If we're just going to make another game, why would we make Tal Fight three instead of like Crashlands two or something? Which we're not making, so don't. We're not making. Me. Don't read into it. But <laughs> if we were it. to do it, then yeah. So I, uh, I think with Tal Fight, what we would change. I mean, that game has. Is ugly one. All right. So, so what is the, <laughs> yeah. what's the co- for those who don't haven't played Tal Fight? Okay. So, Tal Fight, what's the core premise. The core premise is that you shoot, shoot animals, animals out of your face. Yeah. It's literally it. So, you, straightforward. you wander around. Uh, it's sort of like a Zelda like top down thing. Actually, kind like of a bi- like a binding of Isaac. Yeah. But it's like yeah. a binding of Isaac sort of game where you wander around and you find these different what are called jectiles, which are these magical animals that you have in your monocle and then you fire them out to defeat various enemies. And it's got 12 bosses in it. It's like a full, I think it's about like an eight hour thing and like 50 collectible jectiles. And then you can customize your clip. And so your clip auto rotates. Every time you fire one, it moves on to the next animal in your clip. And so you can have, it basically ends up being this just chaos generator, right? And yeah, it's lightly modeled mechanically on the Binding of Isaac. And then it starts getting into weird like Zelda territory and other stuff. So it's, honestly, it's still very fun. Uh, It just has plenty of design problems in terms of breadth. So there's basically only one thing to do in the game, which is to shoot animals out of your face. Mm-hmm. And while you get the new jectiles that are more powerful or less powerful, they don't have any... There's no other loops attached to them. Yeah. There's, there's, not really, there's no like leveling up. Right. There's just right. not There's not a lot going on beyond the basic well, and, and because we also... This was our first game. So we, we pulled a lot from other similar games. So we did stuff like we used the little heart system like mm-hmm. you see in games like Zelda where, you know, you you can get hit. Whatever, six times and then you die. And then maybe you get like a new heart and now you can get hit eight times and then you die. Mm-hmm. Um, this actually is something I found interesting about uh, Breath of the Wild because they have the heart system, but enemies will do more than a hit of damage to you. Which right. actually makes it very confusing sometimes because I'll run up to someone and they'll just one shot me. They'll just hit you for nine hearts. Be, and I'm like, yeah. what are these hearts? What does it mean? <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, when we made Crash Ends, of course, we had this very fluid stat system where you can have anywhere from. 50 HP to 138,000 HP mm-hmm. and enemies deal damage based on resistances and elements and level and all kinds of other stuff, um, which, of course, allows for all kinds of really interesting combos. And so one of the things that I think we, we missed in Talfight was the idea of making jectile, like of, of putting things into your monocle that uh, augment certain play styles because everything in your monocle is a jectile. Yeah. Right. So as it as it cycles through its sort of six shooter thing, 
Um, everything that you do shoots something out. As opposed to being something else. Yeah, like it, that yeah it'd be interesting if you had one that was like, it just charges you up, you know, for a second and now you like have lightning around you, right. you know, or maybe like a uh, – Well, we kind of have that because you got like the turtle shells and the mantises – you know, yeah, some of the projectiles end up being, and those are the most interesting ones. Actually. But but yeah. I want to I want to have some that, for example, like I want to have a projectile that says, you know, any projectile you fire, any projectile that's fired in the next two shots, you right. know, will have its electrical damage boosted by double or something like so that. So that way you can basically sort of sacrifice a slot um, to charge up, but, a but you choose shot. a position so you can use right. it to yeah make because combos. yeah because what we didn't take advantage of is that the the monocle uh, rotates through the projectiles in a certain order yeah. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really capitalize on what that could mean could in terms of cool. yeah, in terms of like building up a sequence, like a combo of moves. Yeah. And especially that can, because that, that becomes basically the thing where you want to somehow manage to lay down consecutive fire on something in a particular order, which means that if we blew out that concept, then you could have a that that revolver style six shooter thing could blow up into like a 12 or 14 shot thing. That then the placement of each one of those projectiles is really important for the and overall. There's this interesting combinatorial complexity, and right? And especially of- if some of them open up weaknesses on an enemy, for example. Yeah. So instead of just being a thing that you get passively, if for example you if you hit someone with this projectile, then the next projectile that hits them does X or whatever. Yeah. Because then you have this. You want to somehow maintain line of sight with the enemy, which is always the dangerous thing because they get you. That's where they get you. Um, always want to maintain line of sight and sort of keep on hitting consecutive shots with someone, which is. Basically, like the core of the game just wasn't quite extracted in a really yeah. There was not enough interplay between the projectiles, and I, I also think because we didn't really know how to make an effective kind of inventory system, yeah. um, then we weren't able to capitalize on creating interesting limits or constraints on the projectiles. So, for example, we just said you can use unlimited frogs because they kind of suck, mm-hmm. uh, and then you can use only one of every other projectile that you find. So you find a Sasquatch, you got one Sasquatch. Mm-hmm. You find a Slender Man, you got oh, one yeah, Slender he's Man. In there. Right? Forgot about that. Yeah. Um that's a great one by the way. Yeah. Uh so so if we had if we had changed it so that you could sort of chain effects together and all that stuff, then that would open up the possibility of saying like you just start with six frogs. You you have six frogs. It's not that you use unlimited of them, right? And then instead if you found an mm, extra goat then you could put two goats in your, you know, or whatever. Neat. So, yeah. So there's all kinds of really interesting stuff we could have done, but we just, uh, we were very fresh. Yes. We were very new to design. Yeah. And we, that is the reason why we keep coming back to it. Cause I, I still think the core of that design is super interesting and weird. Oh yeah. You, just, yeah. you basically, very cool. you, well, you got, you got the collection aspect. You've got yeah, you the build twin this, stick stuff. You this got, strategy of building this clip. Like yeah. it's really fun and weird. Yeah. Um, and then the boss fights were rad actually compared like, the boss fights, that, that was sort of actually a lot of the dev time went into those 12 different well, boss fights. Well, I felt a lot like kind of some like old-timey Game Boy. Yes. Like Nintendo You're trapped in a room. Fights. Yeah. yeah. And each boss does like one big thing yep. that you have to figure out how to get Deal. around, you know. Yeah, they still kill crap out of you oftentimes, which is funny. Yeah. They're not, not complicated. And we also no. have those dungeons that you'd go into. Mm-hmm. I think I think we had it so that if you, if you fucked it up, then you're just like locked out. No. Yeah. For, for a day or something like for that. For a day? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, the so, door closes and then you can't go back in for a while. This is a, this is one of those problems where it's just like as as we've built more games because there's also tons of jam games that we have where we look back and we're like ah you know we It'd could be so cool we could turn- blow that thing up like mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that would be a good one um, but you just have to choose choose what is actually you know a feasible market maybe project. a new I mean a new telefight would be a pretty cool one 
It would be weird. Right, here's I know what, it would be weird. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. If Levelhead does really well so that we don't have to worry so much about how successful the next title is. Then we make Telefight. <laughs> sure. Yeah. We'll just spend two years and we'll be like, well, you know, I hope, I hope it does well. Who cares? <laughs> okay. Here's, here's an alternative. Hmm. In Crashlands 2, you can craft a monocle uh, and then put projectiles in it. So we put Talfight into Crashlands 2. Yes. We put Talfight 3 into Crashlands here's, 2. Here's what we do. There's a there's a scene a scene in Crashlands 2 where all of a sudden you become imprisoned by one of the Viru. Yeah. And you just you find on the ground mm. the lens. You equip it, boom, you're playing Talfight 3 now. Yeah. Okay. And, and you have to beat Talfight 3 to get back to into Crashlands 2. <laughs> Um, and then there will also be a scene where you slip and you fall into a puddle. Turns out it's actually a deep well. Now you're yeah. playing Quadrupus 2. You right. beat it to get out. You got to beat that to get back out. Get What's back what out. I realized about most of these huge games that are AAA actually are just – they're just a collection of games that yeah. are well balanced between the whole experience. And I still remember watching my wife play. I can't remember which game it was. Something where you start off on a boat. Um and there's like there's a whole there's a whole like overseas journey part, mm. but in that overseas journey, you're just like talking to people on the boat, basically. But it includes you can sit down and play these old ass uh, games, these like old ass board games made with, like, with wooden mm-hmm. wooden pieces, boards and, and pieces yeah. and things. And you can just sit down with randos on this boat, and you can play entire games with them. Do you right? play like chess with someone for like an yeah, hour? Yeah, but half? it's like it's like weird chess, you know. So, mm. but but some, like real games that existed historically from like the 1800s or whatever. Uh, and so you can just sit down and you play this entire game, you know, with, with dialogue with these people and, and whatever, uh, and you can play them multiple times and, you know, so you can do all this kind of stuff just on the boat ride over to the actual game. Mm-hmm. And then once you get off the boat, you don't get to play those games ever again. But I, but I remember like I was watching that happen. And I was thinking to, to our world of indie games and especially on mobile, cause we were at the time we were like all in mobile, mm-hmm. right? Where the scale and scope of games on mobile is basically just that board, that game. part. It's just yep. that board game. Uh, but in the in the world of AAA, that's just They've a little team of appetizer. Make a right, mat, put it on a just, boat, just to throw it away uh, when they get into the actual game. We yeah. talked about this a bit with Nintendo with uh, Super Mario Odyssey, yeah. where they will make a mechanic that you use, you learn how to use it, and just use it once, and then they throw it away after literally five minutes. Yep, and it's just you it, throw your hat onto like a stretchy caterpillar thing. That was my favorite thing. One level, yep, one level. You use it, <laughs> and then you never use it again, and it's like. I, I love it. I love it because it's you get this huge variety in terms of the, the gameplay experience yeah. that they pull out of that one mechanic. But in the indie world, that that caterpillar that's a whole that game. would be a, a whole, whole game. game. Yeah. It's actually Snake Bird is basically what yeah. <laughs> so, uh, which is fantastic by the way. Famous yeah. So yeah, it's uh, So it's really yeah, so the the difference between like a triple A title and an indie title is aside from graphical fidelity right. is then just scale. It's basically just how many games there are in the game. Yes. Yeah. Because, yeah, even a game like Knights of the Old Republic, the old uh, RPG from the Xbox days, mm-hmm. original Xbox, uh, it's – it's you go around in the world, you're a Jedi, you know, you're talking to people, whatever. And then you also have this card game called Pazak. Uh, yeah. And yeah. everywhere you go, there's people wanting to play you in cards and then you can collect cards and you build a deck. It's a deck building game and there's actually an entire version of that game uh, set in the Star Trek universe. It's a mobile game. Oh, it's a yeah. whole it's a whole game, right? But that was inside of Knights of the Old Republic. Yeah. And then they also have uh swoop bike racing, mm-hmm. which is a racing game that they just kind of put in there as well, which yep. every every planet you go to, there's a swoop bike track and you can go and like do that for extra cash and win some and, prizes. Yeah, or win something. some side items and stuff like yep. that. You know. 
But yeah. the interesting thing about it is that uh, the games that do this really well, the balance between all of those those are real. Those are always really simple. Is really yeah. So yeah. I've been playing uh, Breath of the Wild quite a bit, and this is actually something I noticed because there's a ton of stuff going on in terms of these various game elements or or almost full games that are interacting in there. But the balance between them is so good where you might be doing one thing. So, for example, you cook in the game and you might do that for like 15 minutes at a stretch. And then for like three hours, you run around fighting stuff or exploring or whatever else. And the overall balance between all those different sort of ways that you can interact with the game world is so on point that you it feels similar to like a Super Mario Odyssey thing where you're always kind of doing something else. You're not. Yeah. You're not just doing the same thing over and over again, which I think generally is kind of the feel of indie games as a thing. And it's also a critique we've had for Crashlands, right? Where it's like, people are like, yeah, you just kind of... You do, do one thing. thing. You do the same, and it's like, yeah. That's true, it's you true. do. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's all we could pull off at the time. But. Well, th- this is um, this is something that we had been struggling with on Scuffle Buddies. Yes. Is, is basically there's a... It, these little mini game concepts or these sort of side games work really well when they're simple. Basically... You you play the core game, which has a lot of learning and skill mastery and stuff. And then every now and then you can pop into these mini games that have very simple rules um, and that you can remember easily how to play. And the progress isn't necessarily sort of like tracked between sessions so that you don't forget. Because like you ever you ever play an RPG and then you save it. Then you come back a week later and you're like, where the what fuck was I doing? am I? Yeah, yeah right? you've got your quest log. It's got like a hundred Yep. Open yeah. Quests and on you, it. you never like pick up a, a chess board and you're like, Halfway where the in. fuck was yeah. I in this? G-? No, like, because it's every game starts the same and it's very, mm-hmm. you know, it's very understandable. So the trouble we've been having with, uh, or we were having with Scuffle Buddies was the problem of the core game is this, you know, collecting strategy, battle card, capture the flag thing, thing that's, per- that's very involved. Uh, mentally to kind of track and figure out what to do and strategize. And then we also want to have an open world mm-hmm. where you go out into the world and you're exploring and you're collecting things and harvesting and crafting and all this other stuff. Um, and we were just having a hell of a time striking a balance between those because now you have two really complicated game systems. Well, basically we, what we found is we couldn't. And that's actually where we were like, let's pick up something else for a while. Because yeah, we need to let this – sit for a minute yeah what ended up happening was that uh the the strategy and the collection aspect of the sort of battle and card game was already so big and so heavy that balance like we couldn't there was no sense of balance to have something equally heavy actually which is sort of what we were trying to go with the open world uh, versus a game where uh like i played slay the spire recently and they have this that really intense card game that you're playing which is strategy and all this stuff and then their overworld is consistent it's just a map that you click on various symbols to go through and travel through and they might have little things pop up kind of like ftl style where there's there's a you know an event that you can go participate in some way but there's not really anything there's just nothing really happening out there in terms of you have that to would do be it. too much it'd be too much and we we sort of we thought okay well this thing's really heavy we need to put another really heavy thing in here to balance it out that's probably the wrong uh, nope <laughs> <laughs> but it took you know it took about four months after taking a break on it to realize that, that was probably what was happening so yeah, that's why I take breaks. So yeah, if you are having a struggle with that in any game that you're making, uh, think think about that mm-hmm. that problem of if you've got one really involved game system, then you you don't balance it by adding more really involved game systems. You you can add a large diversity of simple games. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, don't don't go too hard in in one direction. All right, so that's all the time we have for this week. We'd like to thank our producer, Fat Bard, for making us sound good. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. If you'd like to get more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can hop into our Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch. 
and uh, come say hey. Also, if you'd like to adorn your body with butterscotch merch, you can check out our shop over at shop.bscotch.net. We've got t-shirts, mugs, stickers, uh, posters, all kinds of stuff. Uh, also, if you'd like to send us something, we do have a mailbox, which you can find the address for over at mailbox.bscotch.net. And if you'd like to buy us a cup of coffee to help support the podcast, you can do so over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.